Being afraid of disappointing people was keeping me small and keeping God's work in a box. But when I started asking these big questions about big dreams and big ideas and big living, I realized that the wilderness of bravery is so much more alive and God is so much more tangible. Hi friends, welcome to Stories from 100 Days to Brave, a podcast where we hear real stories of friends who took the brave first steps to become who they truly are. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So today we're going to talk about how brave helps us do hard things. Oh man, I wish we never had to talk about this, especially with what our world has had to go through in 2020. I wish we didn't have to talk about how to move forward when you have no idea what the future holds for you next year or next week or maybe even tomorrow. I wish we never had to talk about what happens when you have to give birth in a pandemic or when you've lost your job and you don't know how you're going to pay the bills or you're graduating and you have no idea how you're going to get a job when the world has shut its doors. But let me tell you something, friends. We can do hard things. That's the story our brave guest, Jen Whitmer, tells so beautifully today, that even in our darkest moments, when the road ahead of us is dark and we can't see where to go, God's right beside us, and He can show up for us in ways that are bigger than we could have imagined. My name is Jen Whitmer. I live in St. Louis with my high school sweetheart. We've been married for over like 23 years. We've got four kids, and I am a speaker and a coach and a writer. I think that God made me to be a teacher. I've had great other people around me saying, You make complicated things simple, you make me enjoy learning. I love laughing with you and learning at the same time. What I've come to realize is those are talents that God put within me. I always wanted to be a teacher. I have vivid memories of playing school and teaching friends. And I had that always exciting thing about a teacher. When you learn something, you want to You want someone else to learn it too, and I think that's the core of teaching. (laughs) And so I always loved learning, and I always wanted other people to love learning. I was an educational professional for 20 years. I started in music education, and I loved the eternal aspect of teaching kids. You could see every day affecting the lives of children and how that's going to have ripple effects throughout their lives and then for generations. So I always loved that and giving children a joy of music and culture and security in something that was a little bit different was always so much fun and I, I loved it. After a while, I had a lot of kids really fast, and so I stayed home and then went back into the world of education as a leader. I was an administrator, and I loved helping teachers. I loved helping impact the leaders who were impacting the kids. I still got my kid time, but I also really got to develop teachers and faculty in their educational practices and their roles as leaders. I had a great few leaders. And then I had a leader that really struggled. And because of myself, that leader, and some really difficult situations, I needed to leave that job. So when I left my job, it was really disappointing 
to a lot of people. It was really hard. It was so messy and it was tangled because it involved a community that I was a part of, that my children were a part of. Because of this situation with this leader who was struggling themselves, I started believing some of the lies that they said about me and that I shouldn't want anything bigger, that people didn't follow my leadership. Those lives were really devastating and kept me very, very small and in fear. I knew that my calling was still teaching, and I had never dreamed what it could be like outside of the world of education. I only thought of teaching in that realm of students, faculty, classrooms, that type of, that picture. So when I used to teach students about growth mindset and that failure was part of the process, that was a constant part of teaching music. That was a constant part of teaching teachers that you made mistakes along the way. And that's what practice is about. And you learned a different way to do it. And so I always taught my kids that we can apply the failure to better growth. I taught them we can do hard things. I taught them that I promise it's not going to be easy, but I promise that it's going to be worth it. That failure isn't the end of the process, it's part of success. And my favorite one that I used to tell them all the time is just outside your comfort zone is where the magic happens. All these lessons that I taught all the time, I suddenly had to realize on a grand scale, I had to apply to myself. And so I saw this failure of ending a career in education as negative rather than all the things that I knew about failure, that it's part of change, it's part of the process, and that just outside my comfort zone is where the magic happens. So stepping out from those lessons for myself and stepping out of the world of education took those lessons that I taught my students just on a deeper level. And uh, I felt almost silly, like, oh my gosh, I've been teaching this for years on a small scale. And now it seems like a really big cliff, but just outside my comfort zone is where the magic happens. So that means I have to take a step outside of that. The challenge became how do I follow God's leading in knowing that this is where I'm called to go and still live with the disappointment of others? And I just started asking a lot of questions and I interviewed a lot of people and said, what did you do when this happened to you? How do you make those choices? And so I started realizing the power of these big questions that even if I disappoint people, the big questions lead me to where God is taking me. And if I had stayed asking small questions or asking the question, what happens if I disappoint people, then I would have never seen this inner peace when I asked the question, what does God want me to do? So I had to stop believing those lies that I had internalized from what other people had spoken over my life. And the truth was that God was in charge of my life, <laughs> not, not necessarily what other people were saying about me. Around the same time, I rediscovered the Enneagram and started digging into 
what does the Enneagram mean? And how is this weird symbol and all of the strangeness that seems to be the Enneagram on your first encounter with it could help me really see my true self? So I kind of dug into the Enneagram. I had a therapist that was really helpful in really teaching me how to take every thought captive. Where does that thought come from? Is it true? And going through processes to help me recognize, wait, that's a lie. Here's what's true. And replacing the lies with truth and seeing how my own particular personality would gravitate towards certain lies or be really stung by certain lies where others didn't matter to me. And so replacing the right truth uh, for the right lie was part of how the Enneagram really helped me. I could see that my, my reframing of everything so quickly sometimes prevented me from the depth of what God had for me or my positivity of like, I'm just going to keep going meant a lot of spinning my wheels rather than actually moving out of my comfort zone and believing what God had for me in the future rather than me designing my own future. And so all of those truths became so real and tangible and replaced those lies that were holding me back. And the truth was just sheer freedom. I mean, it's so funny when we say that because, you know, the Bible says that the truth will set you free, but how it happens, I think is continually amazing to me. As I started discovering the Enneagram, I would say about four years ago, like this rediscovery, I had a friend give me a book. And so I read it and and everybody was like, oh, you're this number, you're this number, you're this number. And I'm just not feeling it. I wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. And so I had a friend say, you should listen to this podcast. So the first person whoever I listened to talking about who they were in relationship to the Enneagram was Annie F. Downs. And she was being interviewed and I was who is this woman and how is she inside my head? And <laughs> how does she know that's how I think and that's how I see things? And uh, that really started me down my path of discovering my own Enneagram number, but also like, I want to know more about her. So I looked through her books and I read Remember God and also picked up 100 Days to Brave. The journey to brave has changed my life in ways that I really could have never imagined. And I have a great imagination. (laughs) I had an experience at a conference where somebody said, list all the good things about yourself. And I'd never been asked to do that before. And that was really an amazing look at, oh, here's what God's put within me. I have to use those things. I've been given this talent. I don't want to bury it in the ground. And uh, so that's how I, I really started thinking about, oh, these are things that can be used outside of the world of education. There are lots of people in the world who want help with their relationships and want help communicating better and want help understanding the Enneagram better and understanding themselves so they too can flourish and improve and grow and become more brave themselves. And God put within me the skills and talents to do that. I have to use that then. That's amazing. I didn't know that this career existed. I didn't know there was a way to 
live out a calling of teaching outside of the church and education. I didn't I didn't know that you could be an entrepreneur in this way. That was never my dream as a little girl. I wanted to be in front of a classroom and help people discover music. I didn't think about it that way. So continuing to take the next right step and the next right step has led me to the bravery to see that, oh my goodness, there is a whole big world out there. And so my daily life looked totally different. I mean, I used to have a very predictable get up, you know, be at school by a certain time, work with these people. Everything in education is on a clock. (laughs) You know, the lunch shift ends, the special is over, kids are coming, and there is a rhythm to it that's very specific. And now my daily life is totally different and it's exciting and new and it's hard. I'm not by any means saying that it's not hard. It's a challenge to learn how to manage myself and it's a challenge to learn how to be in the right places and say no to the right things. And all of that is part of bravery. And I see it as God showing himself as even bigger than I ever imagined. So my favorite quote from 100 Days to Brave is, believing truth produces courage. And there are so many parts of that sentence that I think as a writer is so beautiful, but it just spoke to my soul because it's active. I have to believe something. I have to believe the real thing. It produces something in me. It's active. And what it produces is a heart of courage. So it just spoke to me like there was direction and forward motion in it. There are times when believing truth is not easy and it's challenging. But when I believe the truth, it produces fruit and it produces courage in me. And I could see that happening when I changed what I thought, when I changed my self-talk, when I changed my internal dialogue and could take a thought captive and observe it and say, wait, that's a lie and replace it with truth, it changed me. And I was able to walk through feeling a little afraid, but also feeling courageous and could move forward. One more aspect of being brave is remembering that it's hard. When you anticipate that it's going to be a little bit hard, it doesn't knock you flat when it's hard. And as somebody who is aggressively positive, as I was told recently, (laughs) I could, in my immaturity, could think, oh my gosh, it's going to be great. And so when it was hard, it was just like devastating. So I think the word bravery means seeing a situation as clearly as possible and then moving forward with fear in my belly and joy of what's ahead. So when I expect that there's going to be challenge, and know that it's not going to be linear in growth, that there's going to be hills and valleys and hard days and difficult days along with the great days, it's so much more easy to keep moving forward through the difficulty. That's being brave in the difficulty, knowing that it's going to come. And I feel like I get through it so much faster and so much healthier now because I embrace the fact that this is a hard day. I don't try to say like, no, it's just going to be fine. I'm just going to keep working through it and do an unhealthy, positive reframing of the event or the difficulty. I can just say, yeah, 
that was hard. This is a hard day. It's going to be hard today. And what can I learn from it? How can I face it and feel it, which is the hardest part for me, but anticipating that it's going to be hard at some point is really helpful because then it doesn't shock you when it is hard and you move through it and you're like, yeah, I can do hard things. See how I got on the other side of that? I can do hard things. Friends, whew. One more time for the people in the back, because I cannot say this enough. You can do hard things. You can and you will. Man, I'm so grateful that Jen chose to share her story with us. And as a fellow Enneagram 7, I can absolutely understand where she's coming from in so many places, but especially this. We can't choose what happens to us, but we can choose our attitude toward it. Great stuff, Jen. Thank you so, so much for sharing with us. Okay, if you're looking for a way to sort of shift your attitude and perspective the way Jen has, if you're looking for a friend who can show you how to do hard things, I've got you. I've actually written that brand new handy guide called the 100 Days to Brave Guided Journal. Yes, friends, 100 Days to Brave in journal form. You know how I feel about journals. Here's the situation. I thought about some of the most important lessons and feedback I've been hearing from readers who loved 100 Days to Brave, and I've put together some of the ideas and questions that resonated with them most into a journal where you can write your answers out. It's super interactive, and I guarantee you that when you take this time to write out your thoughts and plans and dreams, you are so much more likely to learn about yourself and connect the dots and then do the brave thing you wanted to do. So you can find the 100 Days to Brave Guided Journal anywhere you buy books, and I hope you'll check it out and maybe get a copy for a friend because I think it will really serve you. Hey, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode and this particular story. You can tag me, Annie F. Downs. That's how you find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere you want to find me. That's how you can find me, Annie F. Downs. So use the hashtags stories from 100 Days to Brave and 100 Days to Brave. They're in the show notes and use the actual number 100. And if you want, we'd love for you to share this story. All right, friends, thanks for being here today, and we will see you next time. 